Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and today I'd like to talk about endurance through many trials, as well as enduring through the coming persecution. And guys, I want to thank you for being there for me. I appreciate all the support and prayers that have come through behind the scenes, and you all know who you are. Um, you know, the last few weeks, they've been like a roller coaster to me, and that's the best way I know how to describe it. I've had my good days, but then I've had bad days, and it's been a struggle trying to get this completed. And part of that, I think, has been a fight, but it's also been a test of my endurance. And it took me a while to even realize at first what was going on. I just know that I felt worn out and tired, and I'm happy to say that I came through it, but it wasn't without a fight. You know, a common feeling many of us have perceived is that we're waiting for something, like there's something imminent. Many of us are becoming anxious, as there's just so much injustice taking place all over the place, and to realize we're not even in the thick of it yet. The Lord directed me to talk about endurance. What I didn't know was when I began, I was already in a test of patient endurance myself. And I had to see what the Lord wanted to point out to me before I could explain to you all the message he wanted me to deliver to you today. You know, one of the things we do during tests of patience and endurance trials is complain. Jeremiah did this when his faith was being tested and the Lord rebuked him. The Lord told Jeremiah, and this is in Jeremiah 12.5, If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? And, you know, that verse said, we need to set our hearts to understand that times are going to get worse before they get better. But we have to hold on to our hope in Jesus to get us through. It's easy to get caught up in our emotions when we don't recognize what's going on. It's our endurance that will carry us through to salvation until Jesus returns for his bride. You see, there's a good reason this podcast was delayed. The Lord was pointing out not only an endurance test on me, but also those around me. One thing I've noticed among many other brothers and sisters is that we're all foregoing tests of faith and patience right now. When we look at 2 Timothy 2, specifically verse 3 and then verses 10 through 13, Paul explained the endurance of hardships. Starting on verse 3, this is 2 Timothy 2. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then moving on to verse 10 through 13. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So, you know, putting that into perspective, those verses right there from 2 Timothy 2, if you put that into perspective, think of it like a loving father who knows what is best for his child, or a teacher you once had that you really liked, and they spent all week preparing you for a test beforehand, and then they were silent as that test was in progress. The teacher had the answers, but they just couldn't hand them over to you to pass the test. And, you know, in the same way, the Lord may not always speak during these tests and trials, but he still continues to show his love in many ways. 
If you begin to doubt the love of Jesus, ask yourself some questions. Has he let you go hungry? Has he let you go without shelter? Has he kept you protected? Has he given you strength to face each new day? Do you not feel at peace, even as these trials are occurring? You know, those are just some examples of many. You see, despite that there may be some initial discomfort, if you can answer the questions I just quoted and say, I'm still here, then that answers the questions, he is still with you. For the Lord says in Hebrews 13.5, let your conduct be without covetousness. That means, you know, don't be found wanting. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, the trials we encounter are a test of our faith. You may recall in a recent podcast I did where I was talking about how when we go into a wilderness, it is often because the Lord is showing us something, or he's refining our faith in some way. And I said that there would be refining taking place in this season, sometimes unconventional refinings for those who need it. And what I mean by the unconventional refinings is when these events begin to occur, they are to save many who are otherwise going the wrong way. Now. A test or a trial is somewhat similar, but is usually not as long as a trip in the wilderness. Although, depending on what's happening, even if a trial is a few weeks, it can almost seem like it's lasting forever when all you're seeking is peace and stability. And, you know, that's what I was going through. It's like, it, it just seemed like one thing was compounding after another. And, you know, it hasn't been easy because I don't like seeing my Great Dane having to walk around with a tumor on her ear. I don't like seeing acts of laziness around me. I don't like seeing indifference. I don't like seeing apathy. And all these things, they compound. And I wrote on that in a recent blog I shared, giving you guys an update as to why I had been going quiet for so long, because I was just dealing with one thing after another, and I was having to slow down and go, whoa, 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 you know, what's going on here? And so I had to really press into prayer. I had to really, really just start putting myself in what my needs were. I had to make sure that I was on the right track, you know, because I wasn't even sure if the Lord was angry with me for something. And he revealed to me he wasn't. So then I was trying to figure out what it was he was wanting to show me. And, you know, that's key in seeking him. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. So, you know, although I pray all the time and I speak with the Lord all the time, I didn't understand that specifically what was going on. And what he was showing me was that these events, these things that were going on, were all tests of endurance. It was a test of my faith. Would I press forward or throw in the towel with all the pressure that I was under? You know, it's only similar in that the Lord is reminding us to count on him when things get difficult from time to time. And that's why he tests us from time to time to see if our faith is genuine. He's desiring us to keep our focus on him, not the trials themselves. He is testing us to see if we will look to the world for solutions, which have the potential to drag us into sin if we're not careful, or instead put our focus on him and not the trials and not the world and look to him to walk us through and provide for us and comfort us. You know, when we take a look at James 1, verses 2 through 8, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. And that's key right there with what I just said. He wants to see if you're going to look to the world or look to him. You cannot be divided. The loyalty has to be in one place or another. And like I read from Isaiah 30, 18, he's waiting for you to come to him when these things occur, because he wants to test and refine your faith that you're going to call on him and believe him to get you through. Now moving on to James 1, verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So in those trials, it's easy to get angry and feel like, oh, why is God doing this to me? Why is he allowing this? And, you know, it's healthy to ask those questions, but present them in earnest and prayer. Don't just get angry and say, well, if this doesn't happen within such amount of time, I'm going to go buy a bottle of bourbon and just down the whole thing in one night. That's not going to help anything. That's just going to make you feel worse. And it's further going to separate you further away. You know, those verses from James 1 that I just read are so important because if we don't focus on Jesus and what his word tells us in the trials and the coming tribulations, we risk being part of the great falling away. The Lord warns us of drifting away, whether in times of peace or when the weight of everything becomes extraordinary. You know, taking a look at Hebrews 2, verses 2 and 3. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? It's important to remember also that the servant is not greater than his master. You know, if Jesus had to endure suffering, we're going to have to endure it too. Jesus told us that. You know, John 13, verse 16 through 17, this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. In other words, God will bless you for maintaining and enduring. When I first began my blog, back in February, the Lord had given me a message sometime after, and I want to say it was around early March to be exact with regards to the coming storm. In that message that, you know, I'll repost a link to when I uh, put this podcast up, the Lord told me, more trials are coming. Another storm comes soon upon my people. Many of them are unprepared. Many will cling to their lives, but lose them as they look upon the earth for answers. Think not of this storm in terms of the weather to which you have formerly known it. Though weather events are upon the earth as never seen before, not all of these storms have to do with the weather. My son, you must tell them that I desire they seek me in this storm, that I may lead them through it. Fear not what comes, only look on me and seek me continuously in these times, for you will see me move in ways you have not yet seen. 
I shall rescue those who abide in me from all of it, and those walking close to me shall be saved through all of these trials. For those who know not of me, if they will call on me and repent, I shall hearken their cries. If they will turn to me, if they will seek me with their whole heart, they shall be led through unscathed. And he means led through the storm. So that message the Lord gave to me while I was in prayer months ago still rings true today, and it will until the very end. We need to remember to keep our focus on Jesus no matter what in this season. And that is why many of us have been being tested, because he wants us to do exactly what he directed us to during that message he gave me about the storm. And that is our full attention on him and him only. And the same, the Lord is using these events that are already beginning and will be upcoming to lead the lost to him. Think of it, you know, as Romans 8.28, that the Lord causes all things to work together for good, you know, according to his will. That's why the Lord is raising many of us up now to do his work, as the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Many are wondering as they lose their jobs, well, what am I going to do now? And if you call on him and he directs you, don't turn it down. Because, you know, the reward for being obedient and doing kingdom work is very great. It's spiritually fulfilling, and he reveals a lot to you when he calls you to do his work. But where the trials are concerned, be also aware that whether you are just a casual believer or you minister the word, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to be tested at one time or another. You know, none of us are exempt. Don't think that, you know, just because I teach you guys these things that I'm exempt from these trials because I'm not. You know, some of you may be going through it right now as I speak. I've been tested this year a few times already. And the thing about these tests is at times they can seem like attacks. And they will blindside you when you're least expecting them. That's They usually occur when you think everything's going well. You know, they will come up at a random moment to test what your reaction is. They're all tests to improve us where faith may be lacking. Even if you believe your faith is strong, you will still be tested so any weak areas are laid out before you for improvement. Because there is no perfect person out there in faith. I have not found one yet. So, just saying, be aware that Nobody's exempt from those, like I was just saying. It's what you do when you're tested that matters. And I made the analogy in a blog I wrote a few days back where I explained some of the trials I was going through, and I said, no, I'm not going to sit around eating a bucket of ice cream and wallowing in my sorrows because that's not who I am. And it's true, folks. That's not who I am. I'm not a depressing person who just sits around and cries. You know, though part of this has had to do with my dog, and wondering what I'm going to do about her, I can't let that drag me down because I have kingdom work to do. You know, the Lord appointed me to do these teachings and, you know, show you guys what he expects from us. And I can't allow for these inconveniences to upset me to the point where I shut down and don't do the work on my ministry. You know, no, the Lord blessed me with this ministry and I'm going to carry the work out until it's my time to go home. What I did do was give my concerns to the Lord, which is what he wants us to do. Remember, focus on him, not the trials. Focus on what you don't see rather than the negative things going on around you. These trials, which were upsetting when they began to compound, had a simple solution. And that solution is within our faith and whether or not we trust the Lord to get us through them. And you know, once you recognize it and partner with God to get you through, it'll make it a whole lot easier as far as the endurance is concerned because that's what he wants us to do.
1 Peter 1, verse 6-7 So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And that's what I meant earlier when I said your reward for being obedient is very great. We have to remain consistent at all times and continue to praise and worship, but also make our request known to the Lord. You know, he cares about us, guys. Of course he wants to hear how we are and he wants our, to, us to bring our concerns to him. We don't just, you know, pretend they don't exist. He already knows what our needs are before we bring them to him. So, be honest in prayer with supplication. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's the peace you'll need to carry you through the hardships and the trials. And then we have James 5.13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. You know, one thing the Lord will say each time I begin to get upset over something negative is, stand strong in your faith. Don't be disconcerted. Don't be dismayed. And, you know, when you step back and think about that, in other words, he's reminding me not to become confused, but maintain my trust in him. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, illustrates this perfectly. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And that's what it's about, guys. You know, standing firm, not being scared, not rolling over, but standing strong and not accepting the negative outcome. It may seem negative, but how do you know the Lord doesn't have something better for you? It's about trusting him. And then standing firm in the faith is believing he will deliver you through it because he will. You know, being courageous. Don't sit around eating that bucket of ice cream crying, thinking it's the end of the world because it's not. Be strong. Now, some of you may remember that not long ago, I hosted a podcast with my brother in Christ, Tom Bixler, where we talked about perseverance and maintaining righteousness in the face of darkness. And this is part of the endurance as well. And the point of that show was to illustrate how we have to push through and continue to do what's right, even if everyone else around us isn't doing the same. Remember that we're all held separately accountable to the Lord for our actions, especially in how we treat others. And this is still going to remain true in times of adversity. You know, we can choose to mirror the actions of those around us and the world and focus on how we are treated, or we can lead by example. You know, our behaviors are also part of that endurance and can and often is part of the testing and trials. It doesn't always have to be something that you know, you're going through. A lot of it is testing how you will react, what you will do. You have to remember that the Lord's strength works best in our weakness. You know, taking a look at the promises of Matthew 5, verses 3 through 11. 
God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of things of evil against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. In the season we have now entered, there is going to be a rise in persecutions. At some point, these ruling powers are going to try to say that Christians are bad because, you know, we're shining light on their dirty deeds. You know, we're pointing out what's sinful and what's an abomination and what is a heretic versus what is righteous and good. And, you know, I've talked about this already quite a bit, so I'm going to try not to spend a whole lot of time on this because I have mentioned it before. But I bring it up here to show you why endurance will be now more important than ever. I mean, it's always been important, but now it's going to be tantamount. There are three wars beginning. And this is the storm, my friends. And I've talked about it quite a few times. We're going into it now. Even if many of us still may not be recognizing it, we are going into it. The war is going to be civil. And it's going to become national and international. And above all... It's spiritual. It is in these wars our endurance will really need to withstand. I've mentioned the blog on the bread and foundations now quite a few times. And when I wrote that, this is exactly what I was referring to, where the Lord said many of these buildings will not be left standing. And what he meant by that, in the form of a parable, was a reference to the temple. The foundations are being shaken to the point that many are not going to withstand unless they are rooted strongly in Jesus. In Luke 21, verse 6, Jesus said, These things which you see, the days will come, in which not one stone shall be left upon another, that shall not be thrown down. Now, what he was referring to when he said that was not just the temple itself, but us as his temple, and what he means by that, because our faith will have to withhold strong through these things coming. And from there... Jesus told his disciples, which includes us, what would be happening in the future. You know, starting on Luke 21, 8 through 19. And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, 
settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Now note verse 19. By your patience, possess your souls. That's the endurance of all these things to come, and this is why the trials are how the Lord will strengthen us to endure through these perilous times. You know, the world's going to try to persecute us because we're not of the world. You know, Jesus told us, John 15, 18 through 20, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Now remember what I said about the servant earlier as it relates to John fifteen twenty. We walk in faith, and as such, we must continue to endure in hardship and be unshakable as everything around us is shaken. Remember that in the beginning I mentioned that the trials were a way of strengthening our faith, and 2 Thessalonians 1 lays out the reward that comes from enduring through the trials and tribulations, which are now upon us. The Lord knows who are His, and He is strengthening us through these various trials to be ready to endure this time. It will be His decision who He takes out of the earth and when. We need to just make sure we keep on the shoes of endurance to finish running that race and continue to pray that we are worthy to stand before Him. You know, taking a look at 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3 through 12. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulations those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This right here is why I mention oftentimes the indifference and the apathy, and that among Christians needs to stop. This division, it needs to stop. How you are treating people and the things you say. (laughs) You know, I'll mention something real quick. My sister Glinda, you know, God bless her. You know, she's, she's going through a lot herself. And, you know, somebody went on her YouTube channel after she mentioned that, you know, her and my friend Tom, they have had a mutual friend named Jay and somebody went on there. And made this nasty comment. And this guy, he does Christian videos. And yet he's saying, oh, let me get the popcorn in a mocking tone. Let me get the popcorn and tune into your messages. If you don't recognize whoever you are, and you, if you happen to listen to my show, considering I've been a guest on there before, I really hope you consider your ways. You know, people who do mocking like that, you know, that's, that's just distasteful and insensitive. You know... People are mourning the death of somebody, and whether it's a friend or a spouse, you know, that's, that's just, that's disgusting. 
That is not how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. And, you know, that's an example of the indifference I talk about and the apathy. It's like, they mean it as a joke, but they don't realize how distasteful it is. And there's a lot of that going on, you know. I'm not saying that everyone's going to be burned up in a fire. It's not my place to pass the judgment on what God's going to do or how he'll recompense actions. That is not for me to decide. What I'm saying is, we need to watch and consider our ways. You know, the word's clear in what it says, that we are to abide in him and we are to follow his ways. We are to be Christ-like, and there's nothing Christ-like about mocking other Christians and causing division. You know, I just had to say that because as I'm reading this, you know, it made me think of how much indifference there is in people who say that they're Christian, but their actions show otherwise. You know, again, we if we're going to be praying to stand worthy before Jesus, we need to consider our ways and how we treat others. But, you know, going on in 2 Thessalonians 1, you know, verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of your faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might recall in a podcast I recently did on fear, I talked about when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace when they refused to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. They had faith that the Lord would rescue them. Now, this scripture was in Daniel 3, but when we move forward in Daniel to chapter 5, after Nebuchadnezzar was sent into the wilderness to graze like a wild animal, a new king, Belshazzar, was appointed ruler over the kingdom. But he died after drinking wine out of the gold and silver cups with his nobles, wives, and concubines. You know, this was a defilement because these cups were brought out of the holy temple in Jerusalem. And not only were they drinking out of them, they even worshipped idols while doing it. And in the end, Belshazzar was removed and replaced with King Darius. You know, the Lord judged him for what he was doing. He was mocking him. There are many similarities in Daniel chapter 5, where it comes to what we see now with many leaders and what they're doing. You know, albeit in other ways, they are still an arrogant slap in the face to the Lord. And you may be wondering where I'm going with this and why I'm using Daniel 5 as an example, but let's take a listen and I'll explain after this clip. The book of Daniel, chapter 5, the writing on the wall. Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. 
The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. His nobles too were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, Long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Daniel explains the writing. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you, and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. You will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel answered the king, Keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor. O Belshazzar, and you knew all this, yet you have not humbled yourself, for you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven, and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mine, mine, tikal, and parson. This is what these words mean. Mine means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. 
Tikkel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parsin means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes. A gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. So you see, Daniel had warned the king after what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, and he still went ahead and did what he wanted. Going as far as to defy the Lord, and then wondered what was happening when he saw the Lord writing on the wall. And there are many signs happening right now with our leadership. Lightning strikes and telling places for one, and I'm not going to name each one of those right now, but I'll make sure that I link to those on my blog and the podcast for this episode. Some of you may already have um, noticed that or heard about those. But the warning shots have been being fired. And these are happening as this administration is defending abortion and secretly passing laws to come after Christians. Um, you know, Needless to say, it doesn't end well. But even as they are warned, like Daniel did, they will appoint people to go after those of us who stand for the Lord's message. You know, in Daniel chapter 6, King Darius divided the kingdom into 120 provinces. Think of a province like as a state or a territory with governors, albeit in this case, corrupt ones. And that's another thing you're going to end up seeing in this time. So I mentioned that here so that you're not shocked when you see that, you know, they're already showing many of the politicians and leaders of states, you know, they're already showing their true colors. You know, they're showing they don't have a spine and they're just going along with whatever. But these leaders in Daniel's time, they decided to go after Daniel because he prayed to God three times a day. And they didn't like that. So once again, as I mentioned, when it came to direct abominations, it didn't end well for them. And they ended up in the lion's den. And Daniel endured it all and remained faithful to the Lord. And he survived. Let's take a listen. The Book of Daniel, Chapter 6, Daniel in the Lion's Den Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius! We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, Your Majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. 
He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So recapping this verse, Daniel endured the persecution even when he was thrown into the lion's den, facing what most would consider to be certain death. He was patient, and the Lord delivered him from death. In the end, great was his reward. In the same way, As we face many events and persecution in the future, we are to endure all of it patiently until the end. Remember that one of the verses I read earlier was James 1, verse 12, and I'm going to quote that verse again. James 1, verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know, Daniel could have easily had done whatever. and went along with it and saying, okay, yes, I won't worship anymore. And there's going to be many who do that. They're going to be scared and they'll fall away. But we have to maintain, we have to endure. 
in, in any of these trials. You know, I'm going to read a few more verses here. Psalm 27, 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Psalm 62, verses 5 through 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress will I will not be shaken. Both of those psalms right there applied to what Daniel went through. He waited patiently. The Lord rescued him. He waited quietly. He didn't complain. His hope was in the Lord. The Lord was his rock and his salvation. He was Daniel's fortress where he was not shaken. The same with us. Another verse, Psalm 125.1. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Psalm 130, verse 5. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. That is believing his word and having the hope and the faith for him to deliver us from evil. And brothers and sisters, another thing we need to do is continue to pray for the lost in our prayers. We need to be praying them into the kingdom of heaven because when these things begin to happen, many are going to be caught unaware. You know, this is why we work while it is still light. We need to continue to be praying that the Lord is sending many workers into the field as the harvest will be great. Many will be scared when these events begin to unfold, and that's going to be our moment to shine and lead them to Jesus. You know, 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 2. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. And the true colors in many are going to be coming out now. So, And that's why the Lord says, pray for your enemies. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Brothers and sisters, It is my prayer that this podcast has been a blessing to you. Continue to shine for the Lord. Keep praying. Keep doing what is good. Keep treating others as you would want to be treated. It is all part of the endurance. And hang in there because, you know, times are going to get very interesting. But until next time, Jesus bless you. Be safe out there, guys. Have a great week.